Hey, friends, how are you? Awesome. Hey, man. We are starting a new series this morning, and it's called The Promises of God, which um, I find really delightful. Um, Today, I am more nervous than normal because I get really nervous, and I kind of, I'm a public speaker, apparently, uh, but it never freaks, I always get freaked out. I mean, it just never fails. So anyways, uh, I want you to know that today, uh, this service has the potential of changing your life forever. Um, and uh, that has me nervous. Um, hope we work together well, you know? Hey, would you all stand to your feet as we read the Word of God? I'm reading today out of Luke, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2. And the scripture says this When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And when they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, would you help? Amen. You guys can have a seat. Oh, man, the promises of God. Cool. So this passage, the story is uh, kind of funny. It's funny the way the reaction happens. I mean, this is a a really interesting um, visual. Jesus is back in town, and the word gets around. The word gets around that this guy is different, and y'all need to come and see and listen and hear what he's got to say. And uh, I, I, I've been in packed rooms overseas and missions where, like, it's standing room only. People are shoulder to shoulder. People are hanging in windows, trying to hear, trying to see what God's doing. It's, uh, I've been in atmospheres like this that's electric. I've not been in an atmosphere where I've seen people rip the roof off, though, and lower someone down through the roof. That's crazy. Uh, I have been in seasons of my life where um, I didn't have the faith to do what I needed for myself. I think that this is a really cool uh, illustration of friendship. Uh, There are seasons in your life where you're simply not going to have the strength to get through on your own. And it's good to be able to look around and know true people, people that will help you get to Jesus, people that will help you figure out like how to get through this season. And uh, I love it, man. Packed house, can't get to the Lord. We got to get you prayed for. We'll figure out a way. Don't worry about it. And uh, you just got to have good friends in your life. Come on, somebody. Well, it's interesting the way this goes down because... What this guy wanted and what they needed was not what Jesus did. <laughs> I mean, they thought they were going to bring Jesus, bring this guy to Jesus, and he was going to pray for him, and you know, he was, they were going to fix this problem. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you on countless occasions, probably even right now in my life, I am coming to Jesus with issues in my life that he's not dealing with. In fact, he's dealing with something entirely different and far more important than what I think I got. Like, Lord, I've got this problem with this person, and you need to, and Jesus is like, no, 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 you got bigger problems than you think, Jack. 
this is your problem, you know, and, uh, you know, the anxiety you're dealing with, it's, it, there's got uh, root issues are going on in your life. And so this guy thinks that the biggest problem in his life is that he can't walk. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to give you the greatest miracle in the world. Your sins are forgiven. Well, promises of God. I don't know of what you think of when you think of the promises of God, but uh, I had a pastor once uh, who was my favorite pastor. He's gone to be with the Lord. Uh, But he once preached a series on the promises of God, and he preached for over a year and a half on the same stinking series. And so I'm not going to do that for y'all, but I just want you to know there are far more promises than you know um, that you can gravitate to. And the Lord, he will always hold true to his word. Uh, When he speaks, I've heard someone say once that God is so infinite and so powerful that if he lied, it would come true. Um, And so I want you to know that his promises, uh, you can hold them to it. Uh, He's good for it. And, uh, and so we're going to talk today about what I believe is the greatest promise of God, and that is the promise of salvation. Um, in this story, it's kind of funny uh, what's happening as, as they're looking for healing, but Jesus is trying to deal with a bigger issue. Uh, I'm going to keep reading in verse 6, because as it would go on, he would ruffle everyone's feathers in the room by saying, hey, uh, your sins are forgiven. And they didn't like hearing that. Uh, even though this was a culture probably of believers. And they said, you know, look, some of the teachers of the religious law were sitting there and thought to themselves, what is this guy saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. So he asked them a question. Why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Sorry, I have goosebumps right now. Uh, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked uh, walked through the stunned onlookers. Uh, And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. The problem that I see in this scenario is that they were amazed that Jesus performed this miracle. Uh, There are many things to our eyes that we think is a crazy miracle. Uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing countless miracles in my life, hundreds. I would dare to say thousands. Um, I've been overseas and and in several things. I mean, I've seen cataracts uh, uh, come off people's eyes. I've seen arches grow in people's feet. Uh, I've seen people's legs grow longer. I've seen bones completely healed. You're like, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm telling you what I have learned that I, I, I believe with every fiber of my being is that that's awesome. But the biggest deal is not seeing the lame walk. It's seeing the soul cleansed. Like this, there is no bigger thing. Like, you, you, as Americans, it's your last resort anyway. Like, you, you go to God after the doctors can't fix it and Tylenol won't make it go away. And then we turn to God. The bigger things that we've got problems with here in America is our souls in sin and filth and understanding that we are not going to have a relationship with God with sin in our life. God designed a garden, put man in it. Everything was holy and filled with life and everything was perfect until man ruined it. And the problem is still going on today. God is trying to have a relationship with man, but he won't fellowship with sin. 
And he has a problem that he's got to fix. And it's in us. And so he's not intimidated of the disease. I'm sorry. He's not intimidated of the disease. He's not intimidated of the sickness. He's not, he, he knows the issue that you got in your life that's driving you to the Lord. He ain't worried about that. He, he is worried about you at your core, though. I'm so thankful for a God that knows what I really need in my life. Like, hey, if I answered that, that prayer, it'd probably, you'd probably break it again anyway. So let's deal with what we really need to deal with. You don't have character to have that job. It, you would ruin it. You, know, you don't have the, 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 the humility to have that relationship. You don't have the, uh, does this make sense? Yeah. Mm. So I have a problem and I'm coming to Jesus and he ain't dealing with that at all. Why is sin the biggest issue? It, it separates us from God. I mean, why? This is, this is everything. Why is Jesus dealing with sin here rather than, but Lord, I have this injury, but God, I have this pain, but God, I have this ache in my life. Like I've, I need you. My marriage needs you. No, your marriage needs Jesus. Your kids need Jesus. You're like, you need Jesus. It's way bigger deal. Let me show you. I believe Jesus in this scripture had a burden for a bigger problem uh, that I find throughout his ministry that was, he had the ability to take a couple fish and feed thousands of people. He had the ability to walk on water, heal the sick, and raise dead people. He could hug lepers. But I don't think any of that was why he came. He tells a story later on in the scripture of, um, of a guy we're going to talk about a lot here today. I don't know how, if this is going to work or not, but in my head, this works. And hopefully, this won't tip over. Um, in the gospel of, thank you, Ryan, you're wonderful. Yeah, I don't care what Shaza says about you. <laughs> it's, and it's, uh, in the gospel of Luke, chapter 16, I think it's 16. Is it 16? It is 16. Verse 19, Jesus is going to, you can let it go. I think it'll stand. No, it won't stand. Can you just put the chair on it? That's why the chair is there. Sorry, guys. I swear I've done this before. Um, it worked in the first service even. Hey, cool. Now it should work. Praise him. Uh, in, Jesus is going to tell a parable about a bigger picture than what we have ever come to see. All we know is what we know. All we know is what we've seen or experienced. One of the things that makes Jesus the greatest teacher that's ever walked the face of the earth is because he's seen more than us. He said, before Abraham was, what'd he say? I am. He was before, like, he existed long before I ever showed up in all of my infinite wisdom. I know we know a lot of cool things because we've got Google and, you know, whatever that means. It, Google's telling us all different answers. You ever know, you know that? Yet all of us think that we've learned the truth. God help us. This is the truth here. All right. And so anyway, let me, all right. That's another sermon for another day. Jesus knows. And so he's teaching and he's teaching this parable of some things that he wants us to be aware of what's driving his purpose in life. He tells the story about a rich man and a poor man. He tells a story about life and death. It's a, a story about heaven and hell. And let, let me stop there for a second. 
ah, this kills me. It kills me how many, even people that believe that Jesus is God, don't believe in eternity and hell. And I just have to like make sure that we aren't fools. Because the very reason that we would believe in heaven is because of the teachings of Jesus who would continue those teachings talking about something you don't like. And just because you don't like it don't mean it ain't true. And so I think we got to press into like actually learning truth instead of just trying to discover it. So we, we don't create something that is true. Like it's, it's already there. We have to learn it and we learn it here. It's, it's, it, the story talks about a rich man and a poor man. It talks about uh, life and death. It talks about heaven and hell. It talks about a, a, a chasm that we can't cross. And as the story would go, this rich man had a servant. And, and this rich man really felt like he was powerful, like most of us. We don't realize that we feel strong and confident in ourselves, like we can do just about anything we put our minds to. This is the mentality of Americans. Yet, this rich man found the same thing that billions of people before us have found out. We're all going to die. Like, you're not as strong as you think you are. Sometimes it just takes a car accident to just wake us up. It takes a phone call from a doctor to sober us up. But this story Jesus is able to tell us is because he's the only one that knows what life looks like on the other side of our oxygen running out. And I find this to be fascinating. And in the story, he says that the rich man died and went to, to eternity in hell. And I don't think it was because he was rich. I, I think it's because they're trying to explain the strength and the confidence and the power that he operated in and then the lack of that he had afterwards. And it talks about how this poor man who was a servant went on to be in heaven, not because he was poor or didn't have anything, but they want us to understand that it doesn't matter what you have here. You gain everything when you're in relationship with Christ for eternity. And the story talks about this burden that the, poor, that the rich man had in, 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 in eternal life in hell. Because he, he says that he was, he was suffering and being tormented like forever and ever and ever. And some people say, well, that's, like, that's not fair. I don't, think, I don't like that. I don't think that hell should be eternal. Well, when you get to create your own galaxies and universe, you can make up your own rules. Well, you don't, and you haven't, because you're just man, and he is God, and he defines everything. And we'll realize one day, the scripture says, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is God, and we're not. And we'll stand in there in that moment and realize, oh, God, you are. I am not. So this, this man desired so much to, to, to go. To, and it's weird how it defines heaven in this moment because it talks about how it's almost like all he wants is to, to, to go somewhere where he can't. I, almost, I don't know what hell's going to look like. It's defined by a lot of people, scholars and theologians and things. But this imagery that I, I get is, is, is um, almost like how, hell, how much hell it would be like forever to be able to see heaven and not go there. 
One time I got to walk um, on Alcatraz over in San Fran and uh, they take you on this little boat and they go over and you go to this tour through the prison and they said that one of the reasons why they designed Alcatraz there is because they knew that everyone in prison at night would be able to hear San Fran. People laughing. The sound carries across the ocean. And for them to hear freedom but not have it. Oof. C.S. Lewis said that the problem with hell is we think that like God sends us there, but it, the reality is, is that we choose it. Right. C.S. Lewis says that, that the eternity in hell is, is, is chains, uh, the doors are chained from the inside, meaning we rejected God and we didn't want him. And so now he's giving us what we desired We could do it on our own. We don't need you, Lord. Okay. God is love and he desires you, but he's not going to force you. I get a promotion. I can't stop. Ah, don't cry. Keep going. I don't know what I was talking about. I was talking about, uh, so, so like, I don't know, this is my life here. And I, I feel like in my life, maybe I'm going to live to be 118 years old, you know, uh, probably not, but um, I really feel like I know a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, I know little. And the reality is, is that I barely understand my life and I don't know the rest of what it looks like, but I, I still don't even understand a lot of what I've been through yet. Anyone else? I've had some scars, man, and some of it I don't, still don't understand. I don't comprehend. And so I wonder, like, what I know is that I have no idea what's coming. But I know that it's not a hundred more years or a thousand more years. It's a forever. And maybe if the only thing you get out of this is, like, your life is a big deal. And you shouldn't play games with eternity. And I think that's why Jesus came. And when they're bringing this guy on this mat to him saying, hey, like, Lord, you're, you're kind of a big deal. You can heal him. And he's kind of going, yeah, wow, these guys have such faith. I'm going to forgive this man of his sins. Like, Jesus, you missed the point. We didn't, we didn't come here for that. Yeah, you did. This is why I came. Because I'm not worried about your pain. I'm not worried about the argument you're having in your marriage. I'm not worried about your financial issue. I could take care of that in the blink of a second. What I'm worried about is your soul. And I'm worried about your soul situation. And I'm worried about what's going on for eternity in your life. Are you still with me? It's crazy. Um, this is, I'm making some of this up in real time. Uh, in first service, I felt like God gave me a download that really still doesn't make sense to me. And I'm going to try to work this out. So this may get a little messy, but I felt like I need to share more with you than what I originally had planned. No, I've got to read that Lazarus. Yeah, this is going to go longer than I wanted it to go also. Shocker. Uh, 16, um, verse 26, he, Jesus says, besides there's a great chasm separating us and no one can cross over. This is verse 26. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. And then a rich man said, Father, please send Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him 
to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Can you hear that cry from the other side of eternity? I think that this is why Jesus came, because he knows this prayer. Hold on, let make that more, make more sense. Imagine if you have seen eternity and you've actually experienced it and you know how wonderful heaven is gonna be and how glorious it is. And you also know the anguish of eternity and hell. And you've heard the millions and possibly billions of people in hell crying for us to come back and tell their loved ones. This is the purpose that Jesus walked with. It's an understanding that we've heard about and somehow forgotten. Like, I don't like that sermon. Give me another one. There is no other sermon, guys. There is nothing like, cool, we'll do another series tomorrow. Hope it entertains the church enough to actually be passionate enough to learn to pray and cry out and reach the lost in our family. But there's, what else are we living for? So he says, um, I, I pray that you send them to my brother's so they don't end up in this place. And check this out in verse 31. Abraham said, they won't listen to Moses and to the prophets. They won't even listen if someone raises from the dead. So let me just stop there and just think about this. So this is gonna be literal and figurative. Figurative for you right now because how many times do we need to see God move in our life? I mean, there are some people even in this room that are atheists, and you've seen God perform absolute miracles in your life. And you knew that you knew that you knew when it happened that you shouldn't have walked away from that car accident, that you should have overdosed that night, that you shouldn't have survived that situation, yet here you are, an absolute miracle. And it doesn't matter what God continues to do, if you don't choose to believe, like, does he really does he need to do another dance for you? But let me just tell you something I've learned about the love of God. He will. He is never going to stop pursuing you. He'll reveal himself to you again and again and again and again because you're why he came. I'm so thankful that he loved me more than my pride pushed him away. I have to keep going. This is a literal statement, I think, as he's telling a figurative story about another guy named Lazarus that actually did die and was raised from the dead. It happened to be a friend of Jesus, and this guy Lazarus had two sisters named Mary and Martha. Do you know this? And what's significant about this story is Jesus is doing ministry, trying to reach the lost. Their brother gets sick and he dies. And they approach Jesus, and Mary, quite emotional, gets pretty upset with Jesus. And she said, she looked at him, and she said, hey, Jesus, he wouldn't have died if you would have been here. Let me just stop, because in my life, I've said that before. And I think there's some other people in this room that have said that before. And I just want you to know that God's big enough for you to say that to him. He's not intimidated of your concerns, your fear, or your anger. He's big enough to handle it. But the fact of the matter was he was there when it happened and he did allow it to happen. And there are some terrible things that will happen on this earth that I don't know why. It happened and it really happened and it hurt you and I'm sorry. 
I don't know why Jesus had to die for me, but he did. And he had to go through a lot for me. And there's some terrible things that had to happen in order for us to be where we are today. Does that make sense to anyone? And so what's really crazy about this story, um, Caleb, I don't even know where where is it. We said it's in John 14, 11, John 11. Can we go to John 11 real quick? This is, I'm making, I'm, I'm, like, I'm getting this download for the first time because I want you to understand how important eternity is and how much I feel like God wants you to know he understands your hurt and where he's coming from and how significant his reason for living was. John uh, 13, nope, 11, verse 32, Mary arrived and saw Jesus and she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have been dead. But when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. And he said, where have you put him? He said that because he's about to go and get Lazarus and raise him from the dead. Because there's nothing he can't do. He's not worried about the healing. He's not worried about the provision. He's not worried about what happens to our mortal bodies. He's worried about our soul. Where have you put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then the biggest, I'm going to make you all really, really spiritual. I love it when our church memorizes scripture. I'm gonna, you guys are going to all memorize scripture here today. You ready for this? This is Matthew 11:35. Y'all about to be spiritual people here. And then Jesus wept. Y'all say this with me. Jesus wept. Man, y'all are so Christian memorizing scripture. Like, I'm so proud of you. So good, man. Y'all are so godly. Jesus wept. Biggest passage in scripture and probably one of the most powerful. Because we don't, we don't really understand all the emotion that's going on in Jesus. But I get the idea that he's not crying because I, I think he's crying because they don't get it. Lazarus is fine, guys. And even if I raised him from the dead, you still wouldn't get what's going on. You see that? I thought that was so powerful. I found it for the first time right here in worshiping this morning. It was so cool. He said in the parable, even if I raised Lazarus from the dead, people still wouldn't believe what's going on. I don't need to heal your body. I don't need to raise you from the dead. I need to cleanse you of your sin so that you can spend eternity with me. What if the pain that you're going through is designed to bring you closer to him? I think it's the only thing that breaks God's heart. How do I know this? Because when I read the story of Jesus and he's about to go to the cross, the Bible says he's praying and he's asking God, if there's any other way, God, pass this cup from me. But there's not, so I'm gonna have to do it. And the Bible says that he's crying and sweating drops of blood. He's he's weeping so hard because he's about to take on the sins of the entire planet because he loves you. Because his sole mission is to make sure that you were taken care of in heaven. I went to a funeral this weekend. Um, and it was beautiful. Uh, you know what's weird? In the last like four months, I, I've, I don't know, I've been to like six or eight funerals in the last couple months. And um, this, this was another one. It was really beautiful yesterday. We really celebrated this, this person, this believer. Um, but yet there was a lot of strange emotion that was there at this funeral. It was difficult. It was complicated because there's, because while I know where they are dancing on streets of gold, I miss this person and it's confusing and I wish they were here. 
And I, I think about the miracle of Lazarus, you know, like think about Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and then he died again. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I don't know. I just think that's funny. Like, like, because ultimately we're all, I don't know if anyone told you, but we're all, we're all going to pass away and it's not going to happen on your terms because you're just a person. Everything happens on his terms. He has a plan for your life, and he cares more than anything about your eternal destination. And so as we were talking at this funeral, we were all celebrating the eternal promise that we have in Jesus. And I'm thinking about when Jesus chose to forgive this man's sin over healing his body, how important it us, the promise that he gave you and he gave me. He gave me a lot of promises in my life. A lot of them I'll speak over my children. You know what the greatest promise is? That one day, Chino, me and you, in a hundred and thousand years, me and you could still be together, worshiping in a church much cooler than this, you know? I mean, believe that or not, I know it's <laughs> shocker. What a promise that we can be together. What a promise that we have in Jesus. And everyone else hopes. And I don't hope. We were at our connect group this week, hanging out, and my wife was telling this story, and I got lost in her eyes as she was telling the story. I always do. And she was talking about how wonderful it is to know Jesus. We were talking about what it's going to be like the first moment we take our last breath on this earth, and we wake up in glory, and we see Christ. What reaction are you going to have? Many of us will probably just fall on our face and be terrified. But my wife was explaining how it's kind of neat, the assurance that we have, the blessed assurance, because we're already holding his hand now. We just transitioned with him. And I don't know what you, how, how do you know you're a believer? How, how do you know that you're safe? How do you know that you'll see heaven one day? How do you know that you won't spend eternity in hell? How do you know that you're with Jesus? Well, I, I, I believe the Bible says when Jesus said that my sheep know me and they know my voice. You were designed to have a relationship with him. How do you know if you're in love with Jesus? Well, when I'm in love with anyone, when I have friends that I love, how do you, watch this. If you love people, you'll want to spend more time with them. If you don't love them, And I know I love Jesus because there's something inside me that's desiring to spend more time with God. And that's how I know I'm falling in love with the Lord. And that's how I've learned that he loves me because I can't seem to get away from him. Even when I'm doing wrong in my life, he's still pursuing me. Anyone else? It's like, Lord, I, you, I've never known a love like this before. I am, I'm, a, I'm a jerk. I'm rude. I'm hurtful. I'm selfish. And you won't leave me alone. There's no one like you. making this up in real time. So what I want you to know is that like, I, I remember before I was a believer, this like thought that I had um, of how I knew I was a good person. Like I was a good person, dude. I did a lot of cool stuff for people, you know? Help friends eat food when they didn't have money. I was nice to my aunt a lot. And we, we pick the moments that define that we're good, you know? 
But I remember the first couple times I was in the presence of God and I learned the reality of what separated me from God. And that way, saying, no, I made something for you and you broke it. And I'm holy and you're not. And I begin to, the Lord began to show me moments of when I hurt people, of my selfishness, of my greed, of my lust, of my covetousness, of my pride. And I end up knowing if there is a place called heaven, I'm probably not on that ticket. So how do you earn a place to heaven? You don't. I don't know if anyone's ever told you, friends, but no one earns salvation. It's a gift. Amen. Holiness is nothing that you can achieve. You can't earn your way to that. You can't ever do enough to fix what you've done wrong. Know that that sounds crazy. Because you live in a world that teaches you to earn everything you got. But you can't earn God's love. It's a gift. And you're either going to receive it or you're going to push it away. And the more that you receive God's love, he's going to tell you how foolish you are and how much you've missed it and how much you're going to need his assistance. And this is what love is. Actually, when you fall in love with someone, when you're really falling in love with someone, you're letting go of you and you're, you're, you're relying more on them. You're leaning into them. You're trusting in them. You're, you're, you're not judging them or like it's, it's, it becomes like a, I, I need. And you're gonna realize how much more you need Jesus and how much he's fixing you and helping you. I have a few verses that I just wanna share before we go. This is my close. Would you come? These are all verses that I thought was pretty cool after my wife had said the powerful statement about us holding Jesus' hand and walking into eternity with him. It's almost like you need to know that eternity doesn't start when we take our last breath. It's kind of what I thought. In John 17, verse three, Jesus said this, and this, he's about to go to the cross. He says, and this is eternal life that they would know me. Eternal life is just knowing God. That word knowing, it's not knowing. It's knowing. In John 5, verse 24, Jesus would say, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life and they will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed from death to life wait do you hear that those that believe in christ have already passed friends i already died what are you talking about pastor tim i've been born again i gave my life to jesus when i found out he gave his life for me Jesus died for me and I'm going to live for him. I gave him my spirit and he gave me his. And now he lives in me. 
Paul said it this way, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Friends, we have the eternal Holy Spirit living inside of us. I'm never going to taste death. I love what has happened to a lot of martyrs that you've seen on the, on the, on the as they're, many of them are singing as they're being burned at a stake. Because they're not dying, they're living. You can't kill me. Paul said, death, where is my sting? Knowing Jesus is coming to life. Does this make sense? Let me reread that last verse, and I'll read another one. That's pretty cool. He says, but I'm going to read the last one again. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, that those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life, and they will never be condemned for their sins, but have already passed from death to life. It's pretty cool, man. Let me read you another one. Check this out. This is, this is Jesus talking. This isn't me. This is not my opinion. I'm quoting him on it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through me. The only way you're going to get to heaven is on my back. Some, someone said, and those, that, those people that are Christians, they're just, Jesus is just their crutch. Yep. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> so true. Uh, John 11, verse 25 through 26, because I'm wicked, man. I know who I am. The only thing good in me is Christ. Jesus said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you open that door, I'll come in and live in you. Friends, how do you know that you know that you know that you're born again? How do you know that your eternal life is secure? How do you know that you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know that your sins have been washed? Because I believe that I believe that I believe that Jesus who saw the other side came with a very intentional reason to make sure that you received the promise of God of salvation and your sins were washed away. 